0: Awakened Reality Podcast, JFK Assassination. So we're now we're going to talk a little bit about the Bay of Pigs. A lot of times when people are looking at the JFK assassination, this is actually where they start, is with the Bay of Pigs. So the Bay of Pigs invasion was a failed military invasion of Cuba undertaken by a CIA-sponsored paramilitary group on the 17th of April 1961. And this uh, military group was made up mostly of Cuban exiles who had traveled to the United States after Castro's takeover. But there were also some U.S. military personnel, um, and they were all were kind of trained by the CIA. The CIA kind of was the one who kind of organized all of this. Um, The hope was to overthrow the government of Fidel Castro, which was becoming, quote, increasingly communistic. It was launched from Guatemala and Nicaragua, and it was defeated within three days by the Cuban Revolutionary Armed Forces um, under the direct command of Fidel Castro. It was very helpful for him. He became, you know, it kind of solidified his, his kind of status and his standing as, as a military hero, as, you know, being able to stand up to the United Why States. Why didn't it work? Why didn't it work? I mean, I think
1: that's what I'd want to know.
0: Well, I think it didn't work because, um, for two reasons, one, they didn't have enough people, <laughs> to, you know, to, to fight the entire Cuban um, and didn't, um, armed forces. And the military thought that if that once they kind of just could get people on the beach, boots on the ground, boots on the ground, that then if they started to lose, that um, Kennedy would be forced to essentially begin to release whatever kind he of he needed to do to make it win yeah yeah um, despite the fact that Kennedy had said openly you mm-hmm. know to the press that the United States military would not be supporting any invasion of Cuba
1: he had to take it on the chin when it all went down too
0: oh yeah it was and there's uh, videos
1: folks of him actually saying you know I take full responsibility a hard knock that hey it's a hard hit on the chin to take when it really wasn't your thing mm-hmm You know, what are you going to do? Say, well, the CIA decided to do what they want. And um,
0: because I'm the president, uh, I have to take full responsibility. So a little about Castro um, and kind of what was going on prior to that. So um, Fidel Castro had come into power um, during the Cuban Revolution of 1959. He immediately kind of forged links with the Soviet Union, partially because we were, you know, we really didn't. Trust him, mm-hmm. like he kind of got a sense really quickly that the United States was you know not really going to have much to deal with them, and and he knew that he needed a powerful friend, so he kind of um, you know began forging links with the Soviet Union. One of the first things that he did when he kind of took power was he closed down all of the gambling casinos and mm-hmm. the, the mm-hmm. houses houses of prostitution, all of that type of stuff. Um, that had been um, a source of an estimated $100 million a year for um, organized crime in the the United States.
1: So you're saying the mob had a a big foothold?
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, kind of over the course of the 1950s, the mob had really moved in, um, mostly to Havana, and it was extremely profitable to them. They really kind of ran um, the town. Castro wasn't having it? No, I mean, get this quote from Castro. I
1: I agreed with him 150%.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, so this was even before he had, you know, right when the revolution was starting, before, you know, it had kind of gone down, Castro proclaimed, I'm going to run all these fascist mobsters, all these American gangsters out of Cuba. I'm going to nationalize everything. Cuba for Cubans. People talk a lot about the... um, communism of Castro, and that's certainly a big part of the story. Believe me, I'm no Castro fan in terms of, you know, the way he ran his country and the ties he had to the Soviet Union. But in terms of what drove that revolution, there was also a nationalistic mm-hmm. element to it. Yep. They didn't want, you know, us running Havana. You think it was a hundred million dollars a year that they were earning? Who are they earning it from? I mean it's yeah, true they sure. there were there was you know a lot of people coming in you know, from, you know, wealthy people coming in from the United States. But also they were, yep. you know, they were gaining the money from Cuba. Yep. Like Cuba could have been making that money. Yep. It's not surprising that organized crime in America didn't like this development. <laughs> they weren't very pleased. As yeah. a matter of fact, they were appalled.
1: So, I mean, if it was me and I was the mob, I'd probably
0: try to put together a plot to kill them. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, they it was big money for them that they lost out on. Yep. Um, and yeah. this was... One thing to remember, this was before organized crime had really gotten into hard drugs. Yeah. And so, you know, before organized crime was in, um, you know, they were into alcohol during Prohibition. Yeah, yeah. But then after Prohibition, you had Budweiser and, and all of that. There wasn't as much money to be made with, um, with alcohol. And they, they started kind of dipping their toe into harder drugs. But casinos were big for the mob. You know, gambling became one of the big things. So in the 40s, 50s, this was big. Oh, yeah. So anyway, it wasn't only the crime syndicate that was upset about this, but also um, some American government officials were upset at the turn of events. And, um, Nixon, for one, was actually in the 50s. He was a regular in Havana. Havana. He looks Havana. like he would be. He does, doesn't he?
1: Doesn't he? He looked like he'd be a leader in, in, over there, I think.
0: Yeah, though well, it's kind of funny to see. I mean, I always picture him as being kind of a miserly kind of guy sitting <laughs> by himself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, like doing that. But to see him kind of out, you know, <coughs> out of prostitution and oh, yeah. gambling, that's a Agreed. different, you know, with a cigar. That's a little... According to journalist Howard Cohn, um, he quoted multiple agency sources saying that the agency had used the Underworld Savannah Casinos to hide payments um, that were made to crime figures that it employed. So essentially there were, this was a place that the agency could go to kind of conduct dealings with figures that they didn't want to admit that they were dealing with. People in organized crime, that were helping them in different, different ways. There is some thought that the CIA had kind of a presence in Havana that they didn't want to relinquish. Once Castro kind of came in, kicked everybody out, including all any CIA operatives, you know, were kicked out oh, as sure well. Yeah. There was kind of the kernel of a an alliance between the CIA, organized crime, mm-hmm. and, you know, the potential for them to band together to begin thinking about how to overthrow Castro, working together.
1: Let well, it start, though, with, mm-hmm. with um, Kennedy, right? I mean, Eisenhower actually signed... Mm -hmm. for the CIA to do that in 1960.
0: Yes. Yeah, so uh, in 1960, Eisenhower um, allocated $13.1 million to the CIA um, with the express purpose of their planning Castro's overthrow, uh, which really it wasn't, um, that wasn't enough money to overthrow them, but it was enough to kind of start doing um, the planning and really, it was it ended up being Nixon's baby. Mm-hmm. As Castro continued his social, um, economic, and agricultural reforms, um, and he did this—you know—let's not sugarcoat it. He was kind of brutal. He was very forceful. He made a lot of enemies, and you know, I don't blame them for disliking him. He did a lot of sure. horrible things. Um, the Cubans kind of began to split into two factions. Um, there were. Um, people who are called the um, Fidelistas. Am I pronouncing that right? I assume it's correct. Mm. The Fidelistas, and they were the people who supported Castro and the anti-Castroites. And they were the ones who kind of you know wanted Castro to be overth- overthrown. Most of, or many of the anti-Castroites um, mm-hmm. fled Cuba and came to the United States. Mm-hmm. Many of them were in Miami. A lot of the more influential anti-Castroites were people who were involved in the government that had been overthrown. Yeah. So they had kind of personal loyalties. They had, you know, they had kind of um, skin in the game. So, to speak. <laughs> yep, um, yeah. and so there was kind of this community that existed there who were, you know, upset, who were nationalistic. Some of them were well-connected. Some of them were wealthy. Many of them were, had been involved politically or involved with the military. And they were passionate. They really did have a passion yeah. about overthrowing Castro. So you talk about there's the CIA, there's organized crime, and then there's also these anti-Castroites in Miami. And that's kind of the the mix of characters that we have, um, leading up to the Bay of Pigs. Do you want to talk a little bit about kind of the how the plan was put together?
1: Well, I mean, you're doing a great job. I'm looking actually into a couple of other things. I think that um, I'll... I'll uh, bring up once it gets to that point. So go right ahead. You're doing a great job.
0: Okay. I appreciate the vote of confidence. Go get it, buddy. The 1960s kind of appear, and uh, and the CIA director at the time was Alan Dulles. Um, that might be Dulles. Dulles. Yeah. Just, just. So. He wasn't just dull?
1: He was a pretty dull guy, but he's a guy I really don't like, folks. Dulles. Honestly, if there's like a couple of key people that once you learn all of this that you're going to pick as your worst. Mm-hmm. He, mm-hmm. and a couple of others, are my number one.
0: He, a couple not of liked, others.
1: Not liked so much individuals. Mm-hmm. Anyway, moving forward.
0: <laughs> so he was the CIA director at the time. Um, here are just a few names. You're going to hear these names multiple times. Um, the man overseeing the invasion was Richard M. Bissell Jr. I I'm in mean, planners of the CIA, or of the um, invasion, included David Phillips and E. E. Howard Hunt. Um, E. Howard Hunt is a name that's gonna come up multiple times. Um, Hunt was in charge of essentially creating the government in exile. So he was kind of organizing the government that would be. Wasn't he
1: in charge of the training too? Um, Of the uh, anti-Castro Cubans, if I'm not mistaken? He was one of the people yeah, in he was, of yeah. the operation. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, yeah definitely, okay. definitely.
0: Kennedy comes in, and he he inherit he inherits this plan, and Nixon essentially tells him you need to do this. Kennedy was a little bit behind the eight ball on this, unfortunately. Yeah. Yep. Um, and he kind of had to take uh, a lot of advice. You know, they essentially told him what needed to happen, and he he wasn't really in a position at that point to kind of understand all the moving parts, is that fair to say? Yeah, yeah. Well, he he knew he had to keep it secret. (laughs) Yeah. In in 1960, the CIA began to recruit anti-Castro Cuban exiles in the Miami area. The group was pulled together, uh, and there was a CIA-run base in the Sierra Madre on the Pacific coast of Guatemala, and that's where they kind of put together, um, started to put together this invasion plan. So maybe for about a year, they were they were still training and preparing while Kennedy was president. The CIA began kind of pressing Kennedy to mm-hmm. do this.
1: Well, what happened, I think, they knew the president didn't want them to invade, or he did want them to invade, but he wanted to make sure it, no one ever found out about it.
0: About their involvement yes.
1: in it. But... Um, Shortly before midnight on 16 April 1961, a group of some 1,500 Cuban exiles, trained and financed by the CIA, uh-huh. launched an ill-fated invasion of Cuba in the sea, from the sea. This is kind of funny because you know they, they you said that they they practiced and, and prepared for years mm-hmm. to make sure that they did this right. This is really interesting information. Well, the plan, obviously, was to overthrow Castro, but instead it turned into a humiliating defeat. Mm-hmm. Basically, what Steve said, pushed Cuba firmly into the arms of the Soviet Union and soured U.S.-Cuban relations to this day.
0: Mm-hmm. But I think they knew, the CIA, I think, knew mm-hmm. that it was going to not work. Because well, they told him, because, like, when, when he had oh, his advisors... Oh, I get it. Right, right, right. But, but, but... But that's not what they told Kennedy. They were not really
1: fair to Kennedy. Right, right. Yeah. Kennedy probably basically thought they could do all of it and
0: just keep it quiet. Nobody will know. Well, they told Kennedy that if, that once they got on the beach, that there would be an uprising, like a popular uprising in Cuba, Mm -hmm. and that in um, that then they would all go against they Cuba, would all go against Castro, the yeah. and then it would kind of just happen so that's what they told Kennedy but that's not what they actually believed would happen they, they just wanted to get Kennedy in there mm-hmm. and hmm and of, then ask for more in the last in the last minute but it couldn't go any any
1: more wrong obviously
0: hmm
1: when an advanced frogman lit a beacon to show the exiles where to land
0: a frogman yeah. Is that like a guy who just swims to it's shore? like It's like, the,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like to tell everybody, okay, it's clear, <laughs> you can come in. What are, but what he did
0: uh-huh.
1: is when he set it off, he alerted the people on, on, the, on the shore.
0: Uh-oh.
1: Now, this guy, Domingo Rodriguez, who tells his story here in this website, who was actually there and still uh-huh. has his house on the beach.
0: Uh-huh. Was he one of the uh, fighters, like, for which side? Well, it says he's he just, just a local fisherman. Oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like And then, like, this frogman shows up on the yes.
1: He still says he lives in the same house besides the beach. Uh-huh. He says he was one of the first people to raise the alarm. Uh-oh. He says, quote, I went out to the ho- I went out of the house and saw a flare like a candle in the sky.
0: <laughs> From the frog man.
1: So I headed into the <laughs> trench with my father and my brothers. He was joined on the beach by one of his neighbors, another fisherman. And we thought, this is the invasion, boys. Be careful. We had 11 rifles between us and about at about four hundred, they started landing,
0: so we opened fire. Imagine being that guy. Now the
1: exiles had some air support, but U.S. President John F. Kennedy was determined to keep the United States' involvement a secret. Yeah. And as the initiative turned against the invading
0: force, he backed away from providing further critical needed air cover. Mm-hmm. Alan Dulles. Once we started attacking, he essentially went on vac- He went like away for the weekend. Yeah. <laughs> like he man. he he kind of removed himself from the situation, so he wasn't even in play. Because he was trying to maybe keep himself out of any controversy or whatever. Plausible deniability. And so some underlings kind of called, or they, they decided not to call Kennedy, to even ask him about it, initially. So people say, like, oh, Kennedy refused to provide the air support. Not at first. They didn't even give him the chance. They didn't call him. There were decisions that needed to be made, and the president really needed to be involved. But because Alan Dulles wasn't present, mm-hmm. the underlings essentially made the decision not to call Kennedy. And so there actually was a time relatively early on in the invasion where he might have decided to provide some kind of support in some measure. And it wasn't really until things had gone really far south that they ultimately contacted him. But by that point, kind of the cat was out of the bag. Yeah. Oh, of course. It yeah. was kind of too late, at least to do it in a way that would be kind of not apparent that we were, you know, involved. And so there was definitely an element of the CIA kind of acting on its own um, in this.
1: More than 1,000 of the anti-Castro fighters known as Brigade 2506 were taken
0: prisoner. Mm-hmm. Now,
1: mm-hmm. the obviously didn't catch all of them. So that's how many people they had...
0: That's how many of the 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 anti-Castro folks trying to to
1: to storm the beach, to overthrow the government, Mm -hmm. and these people, I guess, evidently, they they underestimated the support for the revolution.
0: Oh yeah, I mean, no, there was no popular uprising at all, none.
1: And so I yeah, he had a
0: firm control of the military, and they acted, you know. And then
1: they thought they basically, I think they, they 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 rolled their dice. And tried to take their chances thinking that Kennedy would provide support. Because, yeah. well, you don't want anybody killed or taken prisoner, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, and President Kennedy went, yeah.
0: No, it's true.
1: Have a nice day. Here's a problem, though. Of course, as always happens, how do you get out of it? Well, about a year and a half later, they were sent back to Miami, these anti-Castro fighters, in exchange for, oh, I don't know, $50 million worth of food and medicine. Whew. Back then. There's got to be a couple billion dollars now.
0: I hope Castro gave, actually gave the food and medicine to the people who needed it.
1: Oh, probably not. You know, he probably got a bunch of great cigars. But the bottom line is, bro, yeah. I mean, you know, but then you get a great guy, mm-hmm. bless his heart, JFK's son, who goes to Cuba, or has him come to him. He looks like he belongs in Cuba. And he has a picture, uh-huh. there's a picture out there on the internet of JFK Jr. shaking Castro's hand.
0: That might be him right now, Jeff Jr.
1: Yes, Mr. President. Yeah.
0: Okay. We need you back. You got to turn this goddamn thing off. Need you back at the homestead. No. The thing about it is that Kennedy was unprepared. Like he was too trusting of the military of the CIA. He didn't read the situation correctly. Um, mm-hmm. And, I mean, you can blame the CIA, and I think you should. You should blame the CIA and the military in terms of the advice that they gave him. Um, but that being said, in retrospect, it's like he should have seen better. He should have, kind of, he should have been able to see a little more clearly in the situation.
1: You know, and if you guys want more information from a guy who has done ton more work on the Bay of Pigs than we have, mm-hmm. look up author Peter Kornblut. K O R N B L U H, who was who's written extensively in the Bay of Pigs, mm-hmm. drawing heavily on declassified CIA documents. Okay. Okay. So you know, don't just take our word for it. Yeah. Go there if you want to do your digging, and if you don't believe it, you know everything's there and declassified. We're getting it from there too. But he's done a lot of work, so mm-hmm. let's give him those props.
0: Alan Dulles, mm-hmm. he actually stated later on that the CIA believed that once troops were on the ground, that Kennedy would authorize any action required to prevent failure. So it's the, I mean, this is not, you know. Yeah. He's essentially stated this is the head of the CIA. And, and, and does this prove a little bit?
1: In that, it, it shows you what that description was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we can do mm-hmm. basically whatever we want, mm-hmm. as long as we think we should. Mm-hmm. And well, it didn't work because the president has ultimate control. Yeah. You know, it's not like they could call all the military forces in, because they can't.
0: <laughs> yeah, and they were. you're right. That's exactly, they kind of, they they felt like, oh, it would have been better if we had control. Yes, Rather yes. than the president. And it kind of yep. reinforces a line of thinking that I think already existed <laughs> at that point. And even more so now. Yeah. Not surprisingly, this result kind of pissed a lot of people off. Like, everybody was upset. Yep. Kennedy was upset because he thought that he was... Um, he had been uh, misled the CIA and the military they f- felt that the president had um, had kind of vacillated in a moment of crisis, had kind of not not been a, a true leader. you know they were just upset they thought that he had bungled it and that he had caused unnecessarily caused um, the failure of the operation mm-hmm. the you know the mafia they were upset also because you know they wanted. They wanted Havana back. And, you know, they might have been involved a little bit in some of the um, Bay of Pigs stuff that was going on. And then the people who were probably the most upset were the anti-Castroites. Because Mm. they had been told by the CIA that Kennedy would provide whatever support was necessary. Which is interesting. The CIA told them that without telling Kennedy that they were telling them that. But So the Castroites had been told that they were going to be provided whatever support was necessary... Then they weren't, right? And then they a lot of them died, a lot of them mm-hmm. were captured, their friends were killed, and so they were furious. They felt that Kennedy had betrayed them, and I can kind of understand where they're coming from. Well, to yeah, extent, yeah, I mean, I mean, based off what, the, if the CIA had told you Kennedy had promised this, and then, and then it doesn't happen. Well, the CIA know. told who, Dallas? No, no, I'm saying the CIA, CIA um, agents yeah. had told the ca- anti-Castroites that Kennedy that Kennedy would help. Okay. Okay. Help. okay. Okay. And, and, then, and, when and he but
1: is that documented? That's a that's a big big point, big point to yeah. make moving forward yeah. because if it's not documented then then people are going to have the right to say mm-hmm. it was made up because somebody else didn't want the blame to be on them.
0: I, I don't think it's a contentious point. I think pretty much everybody agrees that the CIA told the. I wouldn't
1: mind actually that. looking into it a little bit more. But if anybody out there mm-hmm. who wants to do that, and get back to us on that with that mm-hmm. piece of information, I would love to find out if that's something that's documented anywhere. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it might be hard to find, but it's something that that that's important. I think because if if that's just another piece, mm-hmm. to prove coincidences that happen over time. Mm-hmm but we, They're still run communists. They're the only communist-run country
0: mm-hmm. in
1: the Western Hemisphere.
0: What does it mean for a country to be run communist? Like <laughs> I never really understood. No what idea. That
1: means. I don't think anybody does <laughs> really. I mean, look at if you look at a layperson, right? Uh-huh. Communist is supposed. What is the definition of communism? Well, communism is like everybody uh-huh.
0: uh, shares in the wealth of the country, right? Isn't that what? communism is you know when when i've i've looked i've actually spent time looking that up because i I remember people have told me in high school like i've had teachers in high school that told me what it meant professors in college that told me what it meant a political theory
1: derived from karl marx yeah advocating class war and leading to a society in which all property is publicly publicly owned and each person works and is paid according to their ability and needs so I guess I was wrong in a, in a way.
0: Yeah, that's that's actually not the worst definition of communism. If you're going to, I mean, I don't think that that defines the way that communist countries necessarily function. Well, uh, yeah, and, and of course that's but, a,
1: that's a Google definition.
0: Yeah. yeah. So uh... the big difference between communism and socialism is that the um, there's nothing in socialism that kind of entails revolution. You know, you could have a you could have a socialist country that has no revolution. They just kind of decide to be socialist.
1: Well, it says here that also that the two classes, according to communism...
0: Yep, there's the class element, too. ...are the
1: working class, who must work mm-hmm. to survive, and who must make up the majority within a society, mm-hmm. and the capitalist class. Interesting. A minority. Yeah. Interesting. Three, one percent? Oh, um, a minority who derives profit from employing the working class mm-hmm. through private ownership... Of the means of production,
0: yeah. So this is all, I mean, this is all kind of class theory, you know, yeah. stuff from Marx. So maybe what it is is that communism is, it, it's kind of like the the Marxist approach to socialism, and kind of the backstory, and it kind of includes all of that. Where socialism is kind of a all that socialism is 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 a philosophy of everybody kind of owns everything.
1: I mean, there's not a lot of communist countries in the world still. So.
0: Yeah, so China, they still consider yep. themselves communists. They do. Laos, I guess. Yeah. Um, but yeah. the thing is, the way that, like, you say that Cuba is a communist country, China is a communist country, but the way they go about doing things is so different. I mean, like, if you look at the way their societies function, it's wildly different.
1: Well, you know, think about this. I found out the other day, hmm. China had a rule, a law, that you could only have one child.
0: Yep. To yeah. prevent... Overpopulation. For a, time, they, for a long time they had that rule, and it caused them all sorts of grief. Well, I well mean, not them grief. It caused their, a lot of people grief. People had, like, multiple kids. You have to hide them.
1: Well, but think about that, yeah. though, Steve. Think about that. If, thinking about the overpopulation of the United States, I, I mean, it, it's a real thing. I mean, I'm not saying it's not there. It's there.
0: I mean, population control in well,
1: well, what do you do? I mean, what, what do you do? I mean, do you... Go against the inference of the Georgia Guidestones and say, mm-hmm. we need to reduce the, the amount of people in the United States to 500 million people?
0: Mm-hmm. Well, the Bible the said, world. bear fruit and multiply. And be mul- plenty. And be be plenty?
1: Yeah, multiply and be
0: plenty. Multi- multiply and be plenty. But the bottom
1: line is this, right? Yeah. But what happens when there's too much of it? I, I mean, and, and, and just follow me here. Look, I'm not taking one side or the other. I'm just saying... Mm-hmm. Like, you've got a bunch of people, like, what do you do when you have no money, mm-hmm. and you're impoverished, and and you don't have anything to do? Mm-hmm. Well, what do you do? You you have babies. And look at the, 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 the countries, you know, mm-hmm. like Africa, and, and all of these, you know, plagued nations that, that don't have any money at all, and the only thing they really have to do for fun is what? I mean, I'm not saying that's it, but what I'm saying is those are the... You know, these are what I think a lot of these crazy psychopaths are talking about. Let's just make up a disease and kill off all the, the, the black people in Africa. Oh, yeah. You know, and all the poor and people. And, and it doesn't matter who you are or who you're trying to kill. If that's part of the agenda, that's just
0: wrong. Well, man, let me tell you, like, look into eugenics. Like, we should do a little bit on the history of eugenics. Because people think about that as being some long ago... thing it's not eugenics was a very popular thing in progressive circles Mm -hmm. pretty much right up until world war ii and the horrors of world war ii kind of caused people to you know in the fact that the germans were essentially engaged in that in their version of that it kind of caused a lot of people in leftist circles to be like oh Maybe we should rethink how we feel. But that was not that long ago. I mean, we have there are people who are alive who are kind of In nineteen ninety-two, mm-hmm.
1: okay, the Duke of Edinburgh, Prince Philip, was quoted as saying, If I reincarnate, I would like to come back as a virus. Oh goodness. So that I can have something to do with depopulating the world. Now I guess, you know, people that do weird things that we think are weird, they're doing it probably for what they think is a really good reason. I yeah. mean, and maybe it's like the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few or the ones, but, you know, but, you know, maybe they think the one mm-hmm. is the, the hundreds of millions of people that would be killed with all of this. Yeah. But the many are the many down the line that would be saved from the problems of this. No, it's true. You know, I, I can't
0: see killing off a bunch of people. Well, you can you can make a very rational argument that it's not good that the plagues of, of yesteryear no longer pack the same kind of punch. That was kind of poetic. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, people can say, well, it used yeah. to be that we would start growing outside our bounds and then there'd be a plague would come. I mean, you look at the Middle Ages, the population growth of Earth. During like the middle, the the Dark Ages was was essentially this,
1: <laughs>
0: you know, like there, we weren't adding to the total number of humans during that. Like we'd get a little bit, and then a plague would come and it would knock us down, and then you know that's essentially what was happening. There.
1: Well, I mean, look what's happening now. And now though, Steve. it's like this. Well, why do you think? <laughs> I mean, you know, you you, you you got the advent of the internet, yeah, right. People start thinking about boogie more, and Penicillin. You, you got you got you get you get you out of it. You know, you got you got people who. Yeah. You know, they watch TV and 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 they watch these movies that come out, these videos that come out, and they start thinking, "Hey, honey." <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'm sure, that's exactly what. I mean, whatever.
1: She's just, you know, but you know, but anyway, so we have a we, way
0: of kind of getting we do off off, off the beaten path. Okay. Um, so it, it hit Kennedy hard when this happened. So he was, for days after the defeat, um, Kennedy was was kind of dejected. He was kind of in anguish. People said that they viewed him as being quite shattered. He would ask himself, how could I have been so stupid? I think he did see kind of the error of his ways fairly um, quickly. He felt responsibility for like, you know, the Cubans who had, who had died. He actually met um, at the White House, uh, you know, a bunch of members of the Cuban Revolutionary Council, you know, people who were involved in this, people who had family members and friends involved in the invasion. Um, and Kennedy told them, he said, I lost a brother and a brother in law in the war. Um, and he described the Bay of Pigs episode as, quote, the worst experience of my life.
1: I mean, who knows? If that yep. wasn't, if that was successful, what mm. would have happened? Right? Again, what if? I mean, but there's still no, well, that we know of any Soviet bases on, on, on Cuba. Yeah. Right? That's true. I mean, Cuban Missile Crisis, right? So. How could they be so rickety-rackety? With the way they tried to kill Castro, I mean, mm-hmm. really? I mean, exploding firecracker? I mean, exploding, like, you know, like, like like cigars? What? I mean, the ways they were trying to kill him, I don't understand. Mm. It's weird, isn't it? They, yeah. they even tried, and, and this is documented, they even put together a way mm-hmm. to assassinate Castro mm-hmm. that they thought was flawless, but I guess...
0: I guess it must have been flawed.
1: Well, they didn't try it because I, the the um, the car that was driving him decided to change the date.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, well, you can look this up too, but here's the idea that they had. Okay. Well, what we'll do is we'll parade Castro through a public parade. Okay. And then we'll put different oh. assassins on different areas.
0: I see where you're going with this.
1: And we're going to shoot him in a crossfire. But huh. they never used it. They never used it. It's I mean, funny
0: that never was utilized ever. I, how
1: could you come up with such a foolproof plan?
0: Yeah. And not do it. Yeah.
1: I don't know. Yeah, I guess it's, uh, an exploding cigar.
0: It never would have worked.
1: Right. Or or have uh, the, what's the name? The CIA operative girl that went in to mm-hmm. try to kill Castro, who we didn't talk about. But I guess that's, mm-hmm. a, that's a different little thing. Yeah. But the CIA had a plant, a mole. That was his mistress, okay, and uh, you are going to get him
0: with his mistress.
1: Yeah, she was supposed to. She. I think well, the they part about
0: Kennedy it, that way, right?
1: I, well, you... I yeah I read about it, and this girl, this mole, you can uh-huh. look her up. I don't know her name off the top of my head, but the day she was supposed to do it, uh-huh. Castro said to her, and this is from her. Uh huh. Supposed to kill me today, right? <laughs> and she goes, Yes.
0: <laughs> what like, happened to her? He's
1: like, you're not gonna. <laughs> Don't know. Don't know. I mean, she was alive, obviously. Uh-huh. But it. she knew. But, I mean, I guess I don't know a lot about it, but that's the part I know. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Look it up. Tell me if I'm wrong. I got to tell you right now, she was a mole. She was in there trying to kill him. She didn't even do it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I, you know, CIA, what a great killing
0: machine. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Anyway. When the Bay of Pigs kind of went sour, the CIA wasn't only upset. <laughs> they also kind of began to... Modify themselves. Uh, they began to kind of grow. They got kind of got bigger. They branched out. They became. You would think that like, oh, it was a failure, so we're going to kind of curtail them. And part of this might have been Kennedy's own doing, um, because you know he, he was involved, and Robert Kennedy was involved in kind of working with the CIA to try to come up with um, kind of assassination schemes. Some of the things you, you've been talking mm. about. Um, but it definitely, from everything I've read, you get a sense that the CIA began kind of operating more on its own. They, they started kind of operating outside the realm of what the president knew about. And this was something that concerned him. Yeah, kind of like a,
1: this is what we get when we try to take orders from somebody else.
0: Yeah, and he realized it, but he also he was having trouble kind of figuring out what to do about them.
1: Now, do you know whether or not his speech where he said, quote... I'm gonna spread the CIA a thousand, you know, sh- thousand points to the wind or whatever.
0: Uh-huh. was this after that? Yeah. So I'm trying to. Um, I'm not sure. I think. I, mean, we'll I think to get it back was. To you I think it was after that, actually. Because
1: I don't think he would even have gotten
0: any support if if that came out yeah. before. No, I think it was after that. Um, and
1: I mean, you know, it's like it's almost like it's almost, it's almost like this. Mm-hmm. You know, the CIA was pissed off. Mm-hmm. You know, the anti-Castro Cubans, who evidently were lied to by the CIA, were mm-hmm. pissed off at Kennedy, yep. albeit for the wrong reason. Yeah. So then, what does Kennedy do? Kennedy says, I'm going to blow the CIA to a million pieces. Yeah,
0: he was a little... He What's wasn't... he
1: asking for? I mean, he doesn't know that the anti-Castro Cubans were told that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> right? He was annoyed and horrified that he had been, you know, misled but did he really understand kind of what a dan- what sort of danger they might represent to him
1: probably not then i mean we, we right. say what we say now because we know what we know yeah. now but i mean i think he probably had no freaking clue he probably yeah. thought i'm the president yeah and and i think it was I evident right? right because what did he do
0: he, f- he probably felt like at that time they had already done the worst they could do. They had misled yeah, him. Yeah. So, and, and when so you do I need that... To be, I need to be careful of them misleading me again. Yep, That's yep. the lesson that I'm going to learn Yep, moving on. Nobody
1: puts baby in a corner.
0: Yep.
1: Right? And, and, and so he said, okay, great. So how do you... Mm-hmm. Ding! How do you fix this problem? And so what did he do? He said, well... How do you hurt an agency when they completely took their own and did what they wanted Mm -hmm. without my authorization. Well, you fire
0: the director. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we forgot to mention that, didn't we? Right?
1: So, what did he do? Hey, Mr. Dulles, come on in my office. You fired Alan Dulles. Have a nice day, Alan. Now, Mm -hmm. Alan was the CIA director for a long freaking time. Now, not only that, he also had a lot of people that were loyal to him. In the CIA. Mm-hmm. So what does Kennedy do not knowing, thinking?
0: That it's just his prerogative.
1: Yep. Daddy going to get rid of the head. Mm-hmm. And then it's going to fix everybody else. Well, now not only does he have the CIA pissed at him. Mm-hmm. Or the anti-Castro Cubans who are being misled to hate him. Then you've got Alan Dulles who now uh-huh. gets fired. And boy, is he bruised equally. Right? Yeah. Now he's pissed at him too. Gee.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That is almost like a setup. Mm-hmm. Like setting up the perfect storm for something.
0: Yeah. No, like, you're right. You're right. I mean, we're not. We had no idea.
1: That's the sad part about it.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Like when you think about Kennedy and, and you start studying this, you start seeing how, well, he really probably should have known better. I'm not an excuse what happened. Yeah. what,
1: well, with happened, what we but
0: know. Yeah. It's kind of like, yeah, you're right. And it's easier in hindsight. Yeah.
1: I mean, you know, he um, thought he was a guy in charge. He can make the decision. You know, I'm going to fire the guy in charge. Mm-hmm. And then it's done.
0: You know, they, they were doing stuff that he didn't know about eventually. Even after he told them to kind of stop trying to assassinate Castro. they so just kept, All the
1: things were still in place. They just kept yeah. doing it. Yeah.
0: You know, even when he said, okay, you know, we're not going to be able to overthrow Cuba right now. They kept trying to find ways to do it. He said, stop doing kind of covert actions over there. Because they were doing stuff where they were like, you know, doing little military exercises. <laughs> he said, stop it. And they just kept doing it. Like, he really... It, it reached a point where he he was kind of not able to control that agency. They weren't really answering to him, and there was really no way for him to know everything that. they And were what does doing. it
1: tell you? What does it tell you mm-hmm. that even then, yeah, even then, folks, it's not just it, for for those of you who aren't old enough to know. You know, you say, "Oh boy," you know, the CIA, you know, all these guys are all corrupt. Well, you know, it didn't mm-hmm. just happen today. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is something that's been festering for, for almost a decade. Mm-hmm. Or almost, almost five decades, right? Mm-hmm. 50 years more. Mm-hmm. So, please. I mean, you know, th- this kind of stuff, it's been happening. It's not going away. It's not like people are all paranoid, you know, saying, mm-hmm. you know, there's a, little, there's a lot of proof out there. Mm-hmm. So, anyway.
0: I have a few just kind of things worth just throwing out. We're not really going anywhere with these things. We're just kind of throwing them out there. Um, David Morales was a chief of operations at the the station in Florida where he had helped train the Bay of Pigs participants. Um, And one night he was getting drunk with a childhood friend, Ruben Carbajal, as well as a business associate named Bob Walton. Both men later said that, and this was after JFK's assassination, both men said that Morales went on a tirade about Kennedy, in particular his failure to support the Bay of Pigs invasion. And they both said that he finished the conversation by saying, well, we took care of that son of a bitch, didn't we?